It's time once again for another thrilling episode of Mark Out Radio. Of Mark Out Radio. For the next hour, sit back, pull the stick out of your ass, and enjoy. Be warned, though, smarks and internet know-it-alls will be offended, annoyed, and generally pissed off at what's about to happen to your ear holes. You've been warned. Now, Mark Out Radio. Welcome back, Marco Radio. Dark Fox here with you. Jesus. I'm sure, what the fuck is going on with this deal this week? Alright. Got a little bullshit going on. Hopefully, it all fixes itself. Fucking hosting service. Alright, anyways. Alright, is your little buddy. Back here with you again for another thrilling episode of Monday Night. Actually, it wasn't that bad. I'm honest with you. Uh, we are the night after. Um, what I got? World War Three? Yeah, World War Three. All right, so World War Three had a live attendance of eight thousand. Oh, excuse me, twelve thousand people. Eight thousand thirty-eight of them actually paid to be there. Um, the gate was one hundred thirteen thousand dollars with one hundred and ten thousand pay-per-view buys. Now, last week. They run the the one that let's try that again. Jesus, they won the ratings war by point two points, and uh, listen, it was it was a good well, it was a decent show. Let's say it was a good show. It was a decent show. I was expecting them to do a little bit better, if I'm perfectly honest with you, especially on the heels of a pay per view. Um, I would have thought like the last one, the you know the one on the heels of Survivor Series was gonna do some gangbusters too, but it, it, you know, it beat them, but, or it, it, I guess it lost, but fuck it. Stupid things. I, yeah, no, it was another point to a point victory. So we're not looking at huge victories yet. I mean, you're looking at like a half a point here, a 10th of a point there, you know, it is what it is, but like this week's show is actually pretty decent. Now the, uh, Salem civic center for this week's show, November 27, 1995, Seating capacity of 5,000 people. Well, I shouldn't say that. Seating capacity was actually closer to eight, but they had 5,000 people. 3,000 of them actually paid to be there. The entire show I gave a three out of five. So we're, we're starting to pull the nose up on this sucker. I mean, we're getting twos and two and a halfs and maybe some one and a halfs as far as the shows are going. But, you know, this week and next week, we're actually pretty good. All right. Well, let's not get into next week's yet. All right. Your host again this week, Eric Bischoff, Bobby the Brain, Heenan, Steve Mongo, and Michael, and his stupid-ass dog, Dark matches this week. Gorgeous George 3 defeats Cobra. The Blue Bloods, Earl Robert Eaton and Lord Stephen Regal defeat Bunkhouse Buck and Dirty Dick Slater with Colonel Robert Parker. And Alex Wright defeats Disco Inferno. So the Battle of the Dancing Jackasses. Um, then we get on air and we've got a recap of World War Three and the controversy with Hogan. Some of you uh, wrestling fans may remember when Flair entered the Rumble at number three in 1992, Sid eliminated Hogan, who was a face, who then grabbed a hold of Sid's arm and helped Flair, the heel, eliminate Sid, the face, to win the Rumble. Now, it seems like no matter where the Rumble is, it's a recipe for fuckery. Most of the time, nobody gives a shit, like with the 2020 Ladies Rumble, for example. But here we are again. Hogan's in the middle of some weird shoot work elimination angle, and this time it's with his super best friend, 
I'm Macho Man Randy Savage. So we've got another World War Three recap of Hogan ditching the black promo. Now he would have to uh, come out in the red and yellow tights. So why there was this reaction when he took off the bandana? Uh, hold on, just uh, checking, checking, checking. Yeah. Oh, look at that. Uh, the pop was actually piped into the building. What? I know, right? Anyways, uh, apparently Bischoff started doing this in early 95 because Hogan wasn't getting the pop the WCW execs were expecting. You know, the pops that Bischoff actually promised them when he made his multi-million dollar deal with Hogan, uh, who continued to be able to go away and make shitty films. So, there you go. Anyways, the black gear gets tossed in a barrel that gets lit on fire and some production assistant running around trying to keep the chemical fire under control. The recap ends just as Macho, your new world champion, by the way, starts to talk. So that's always awesome. More money is getting sunk into production, though. So we've got uh, boom camera shots, aerials, sweeps. The center stage lighting has been improved. There's still some issues, of course, with music and pyro fireworks being on cue. But overall, the production quality has come a long way in the past few weeks. WWE starts copying this new production style after WCW is on top for the, of the ratings for, for about 20 weeks. Like, I think it's about 96 or maybe early 97. And since then, let's be honest, they fucking mastered it. And now it's been brought into the XFL's rebranding. And here we are. And the UFC is still sort of stuck in the 90s production by comparison. It's still dark and dingy. And even though the alleyway that the fighters are coming down is all lit up, there's very minimal showmanship going into these guys coming to the ring i guess because they're quote-unquote not performers and yet that's why they're being hired i mean why the fuck else do you keep bringing back some of these guys anyways the actual matches tonight johnny be bad with his new valet the diamond doll defeats diamond doll's page to retain the wcw world television championship holy shit the tv title is being defended on television wow you are a big mark well that is true the rematch from last night where Bad won the quote-unquote services of the Diamond Doll, who's not the booty babe yet. Bad sits on the second rope and lifts up on the top rope for Kim to come into the ring, but because Kim is a lady and not a nitro girl yet, she squeezes under the middle and bottom ropes to get into the ring. Bad has his cannon back, which Kim gets to fire. Not going to go into the wording behind that one too badly. We'll just leave that one alone. Uh, because he's still got to throw his goddamn Frisbees out into the crowd. Again, totally fine for, you know, your house shows and things like that. But Jesus, once we're on the air, goddamn. Then again, I guess in retrospect, uh, when you've got some time to burn, sure, go ahead and burn it with stupid Frisbees. Bischoff quips that this is the most watched wrestling show in the world. Well, maybe in America. As they won the ratings war last week, 2.5 to 2.3. They would win by the same margin again this week. But remember, they're not at war yet. DDP gives Kim a bouquet of flowers with a chain in it. When prompted by DDP, Kim throws the chain to Bad, who is the quote-unquote face of this match, so that he could cheat to win. All right. Still, it gets a good pop. I mean, legitimately, the fans are starting to become a little more jaded and cynical. It is the 90s after all, but Jesus fucking Christ. After the match, Bad confronts her, and even though he used it without hesitation in the ring, he confronts her outside after the ring. After the match. So, welcome to the Hogan-Bischoff era of booking, where faces and heels don't matter until the creation of the NWO. And then it does. 
The announced team promotes the Hogan-Hugh Morris match and the Sting-Luger pair-up, glossing over entirely that the Sting-Luger pair-up is actually going against a couple of horsemen in Anderson and Pillman. After the break, Mean Gene ramp promo. Here's the trouble in paradise between Sullivan and Jimmy Hart. Gene tries to interrupt, not quite sure why he's talking over the entire climax of this goddamn promo where Hart reveals that he'll get Luger and Sting over to the dungeon. But maybe he was biting into his 1-900 bullshit promotion time. I don't know. After this, you've got a uh, rematch from World War III. Akira Hakuto and Bull Nagano, Nakano? Nakano? I don't know, because they, I was looking back, and there were a lot of times when it was Bull Nagano, but whatever. At this point in WCW, she's Nakano. She, the pair of them come up with Sonny Ono, and they defeat Cutie Suzuki and Mayamui. May, oh, Jesus Christ. Let's try that again. Mayamudi Ozaki. Ozaki, Jesus Christ, I couldn't get that with I apologize, Jesus. Total unprofessional bullshit. Anyways, Bischoff calls New Japan Pro Wrestling the GWP for fuck's sakes. And then he calls Brain Brian. I, I wonder if the production staff yell at live talents in their ears back then too. Because I feel like maybe some jackass backstage was yelling at him for getting JWP wrong and then he fucked up and called Brain Brian. Anyways, Brain quips that Nakano is kind of attractive in an Asian kind of way. Jesus. Gotta love the fucking 90s subtle racism angle. God damn. You will respect my authority. Nakano tweaks her knee after the Hakuto hits a cross body from the top row up to the floor and misses. Ultimately, the match got two out of five. Excuse me. The first match, the Johnny B. Bad DDP one, I gave it two and a half out of five just because of the chain gimmick. I, I still don't like how it ended, but anyways. All right, after that, there is a promo for the Hogan-Morris match. Hogan's still in black gear in the promo image, even though he just last night shed it, but whatever. Can't expect the promo staff or the graphics department to actually update that, can you? I don't know. I guess it depends on how much you're paying them. Hogan defeats Hugh Morris in 341. I gave that one two out of five. Bischoff says that Hogan is the biggest boy of the WCW and might not have the belt, but the fans still think he's the champ. Fuck's sakes, way to bury the whole goddamn roster. At least he's only in the mid-card, and he's growing back his Samson-like stash. Morris hits the roids hard to get into WCW, and he's got the telltale titty stretch marks to prove it. It is not the worst Hogan match I've ever seen. Um, He didn't bury Morris, so as far as Hogan victories go, it was better than usual. The announced team did a lot more burial than Hogan did, to be fair. World War III replay promos. We go to break. This time, there was no conflict from the cable providers to replay World War III pay-per-view. But to be fair, they were shooting themselves in the foot trying to stop these replays since WCW pay-per-views were outselling everything else on pay-per-view since boxing moved over to HBO a couple of years previously. All right, after this, we get a Mean Gene on the ramp promo. Macho Man is the new WCW World Heavyweight Champion, which means that he's the only world champion according to his promo which is just fine the promo up until hogan came out was actually quite excellent hogan hours sucked and then hogan comes out and reminds us all that his name is still on the belt then they recap the controversy but the tape has been tampered with and when the giant goes to pull hogan out of the ring it goes all staticky Hogan questions that. Giant comes out, blindsides Hogan, then chokeslams Savage onto the thin crash mat, which is, quote-unquote, concrete. Sting comes out to hold the Giant's leg, then Hogan waffles Giant over the top rope, then hits the ref with a back elbow, 
And then they fight to the back ramp where Sting calls Hogan off. Post-promo analysis of what we just saw ended with Sting calling off Hogan. What's that about? Only from a mind of a fucking moron would we question somebody being ultra baby-faced. Why would Sting call off Hogan? Is the inference that Sting's calling off Hogan because Luger's in the dungeon and the Giant's in the dungeon and you don't want to hurt another member of the... When did that ever stop anybody before? Jesus Christ, the fucking Yeti was getting blasted all over the goddamn place. All right, after that, we get Luger and Sting defeating Arn Anderson and Brian Pillman in 536. I gave that one three and a half out of five. Luger's music has a bit of a problem coming on, but his fireworks work just fine. And when he's finally about halfway down the ramp, his music comes on. Now, listen, I embrace that I'm a horseman, Mark, but goddamn do Arn and Brian play a heel team to a team to a T. Just an absolute fucking masterclass of heels versus faces. And and listen, special props to the cameraman on uh, the ring apron who has fucking balls of steel. Listen, I know he's got a little platform there, but he's right there for some of the larger corner moves and get some really solid fucking footage. Unfortunately, all of this was effectively ruined by the ending. For First of all, there was no three count. There was a loud two count and then a call for the bell, presumably because the ref panicked because Flair got into the ring. And then after a brief three-on-two horseman advantage, Hogan comes out, clears the ring. Hogan goes then to punch Luger, but Sting stops him. Now, just last night in the we're shedding the black gimmick, Hogan says to Sting that he trusts him. He doesn't care what his deal with Luger is. But tonight, all of a sudden, we're getting into an argument with Sting in the ring after he tries to waffle Luger. So I'm not quite sure what's been going on here. His pussy hadn't been powdered, and he was on his fucking rag that fucking week. After the break, there's more analysis with Bischoff plugging Saturday night for status on Macho Man's health after being chokeslammed in the concrete. McMichael puts over the World War III replay. And one finally, let's just get this in details on Starcade on Saturday night. Now, all encompassed here, despite the bad DDP angle not making a whole lot of sense and some questionable booking decisions and some really awful promos with their lead promo guy, Mean Gene, the show itself was pretty good. I mean, it did a good job of building towards the next pay-per-view, but I'm still not a fan of the Macho Underdog Championship angle. It just, it feels, it feels unnecessary. I don't think they really have to sell that. I mean, I get that he's smaller than a lot of these guys, but not by a great margin. I mean, it's not like you're programming him against, say, like a guy the size of fucking Nash here. I mean, Luger's not much taller than Randy is. He's obviously a little more cut up, but it's fucking wrestling. It, it's The fans know that it's fake, right? I mean, even in the 90s, they knew that, didn't they? Well, that was an abortion of a show. Should the mood take you, check out MarkOutRadio.com and leave a comment. You can also find links there to our Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Stitcher channels. You can even leave a voicemail on our Skype. Just click the links and share them. 